You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. This year, the Lunar New Year falls on February 1st, and it's the Year of the Tiger. For those of you familiar with Lunar New Year celebrations, you may recall some of the traditions, which might include wearing the color red, giving or receiving red envelopes, eating special foods, and lion dances and firecrackers. Well, my guest on this episode of Talking Taiwan is not going to talk about any of that. Charlie Wu is the Managing Director of the Asian Canadian Special Events Association, which organizes Taiwan Fest and Lunar Fest. The Lunar Fest is a twist on celebrating the Lunar New Year, inspired by the Lantern Festival, which marks the end of the Lunar New Year celebrations. Welcome to the podcast, Charlie. Well, thank you, Felicia. Thanks for having me. I want to have you on the podcast since you're the organizer of the Taiwan Fest and Lunar Fest, and you have a lot of great experience that I'm sure you can share with my listeners. So I'd like to start by asking you, could you talk a little bit about your background? Like, where in Taiwan are you from? Like, where did you grow up? And then when did you immigrate to the U.S. and Canada? Sure. I uh, was born in Taiwan, Kaohsiung, Kaohsiung, Taiwan, uh, the southern city of Taiwan. And uh, I came to actually first in the U.S. to San Francisco area uh, back in 1983 uh, when I was about 15. And um, uh, I came to uh, Canada after uh, it was in 1996 uh, you know, because... Uh, you know, my wife and I met in San Francisco, and uh, it was easier for her to uh, to become a permanent residence in Canada. So I decided to move up uh, with her, and and we got married in Vancouver. So that was uh, a bit of my journey uh, from Taiwan to San Francisco to to um, uh, to Vancouver, Canada. What was it like growing up in Taiwan and then moving to the U.S. and Canada? What was that experience like? Well, you know what? I I had to do a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, recollection of my my sure. time in Taiwan. It was a long time ago. Uh, and and growing up, um, I um, I think this has a, a lot to do with the things that I'm, the work I'm doing today. Uh, you know, it has such a drastic uh, contrast of what I thought I know and, and what I, uh, I'm learning today. And growing up in Taiwan, I think I was pretty naive. If I kind of uh, looking back and I was a good student and I'm always uh, follow, follow instructions and follow orders from my teachers. And, and my parents have been in business uh, for a long time. So uh, they're always about, uh, you know, uh, making a good life for yourself, you know, having a good work. And so I was a very typical um Typical, uh, you know, uh, home homeboy in a way. Uh, but I, I, I actually had uh, done quite a bit of uh, public speaking when I was in school, and I actually, uh, you know, competed uh, many times. But you know, the subjects when I was uh, that that I was speaking about uh, wasn't something that I'm proud of today because I was, I was actually uh, t- talking about, you know, the. The dictators of Taiwan, and I was praising how how much uh, uh, they contributed to Taiwan. But at the time, I have no knowledge of you know, the, the real history behind uh, those stories. So uh, you know, but uh, you know, it gave me some some 
training, and it was pretty good uh, to have that experience. And I was I've always been the leader in the in the class, you know, and and but I didn't know that I was a good leader. You know, I, I looking back and I thought I, I might have done something that I wouldn't my I wouldn't you know, want to see my friends go through today. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was uh, a bit of. Uh, uh, Reflect reflections on um, my childhood uh, growing up in Taiwan, um, and, and when I came to the U.S., you know, it was such a cultural shock. You know that um, you know many things start um, uh, to be, you know, on top of language issues and 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 adjusting to a new culture and and um, and and you know kind of get kind of got lost uh in that whole whole transition and didn't really know uh where I was and what I wanted to do and what what I belonged to so I always remember my my uh high school teacher it was a Spanish teacher and I had to take Spanish you know what when, when my my English wasn't even even uh, proficient enough to to learn to do anything and I had to take oh, Spanish wow. at the time uh but you know but it was actually the good experience with my Spanish teacher. I, I remember her name is Barbara Perkins, and and she wasn't just my per, uh, Spanish teacher. She was actually uh, a uh, a good mentor, kind of uh, you know, take me under her wing and and, and making sure that I I uh, kind of venture my new life in the U.S. Um, uh, carefully. So I was uh, you know quite happy. I I lost touch with her, but. Um, uh, I always remember how she had uh, played a role in my in my uh, early life in the U.S. Uh, and and uh, coming to the coming to Canada was a totally different experience. You know, it, uh, again, I chose to come to Canada. I didn't choose to go to U.S. You know, it was parents' decision, mm -hmm. I, I, but I chose to come to Canada. And and uh, I thought it was you know very much you know like most of the Americans that that always think that Canadians are. You know, very similar to to uh, to the U.S. and right. and I found another, you know, sort of a cultural shock. Oh no, Canadians are much more friendly in a way, you know? <laughs> and and the multiculturalism that the people talk about, the diversity that the people appreciate, um, uh, is something that uh, that I don't think I I you know I experience in the U.S. You know, so as much. You know, I I know I live in, around a lot of different. You know, people with different backgrounds, but but we don't talk about it as much. You know, which is part of the life. But in in Canada, it's just it's such a you know high. Uh, it's such an important topic for everyone to to um, you know to learn about, to talk about, um, and that's part of our life uh, in a way that, um, that the awareness is high, and and uh, we're trying to do something that um, uh, that's you know for the common good uh, going forward. So. So in a nutshell, that's uh, sort of my uh, my journey from you know from Taiwan to Canada. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, it's very interesting to reflect on uh, your time in Taiwan. I'm sure that's a reflection of the educational system. Can you talk about this article that you wrote? I'm Taiwanese Canadian, not Chinese Canadian. In the article, you mentioned that in 2006 you were named one of the top 100 influential. Chinese Canadians in BC, um, which is quite an honor, I imagine. Could you explain what you're being recognized for? Yeah, that was actually but done by uh, uh, English Media Vancouver Sun. You know, they they were uh, 
in a way, uh, addressing, you know, the diversity that we have and want to make sure people uh, in the different uh, fields are, are contributing to, uh, you know, the, the diversity that we have in BC. And and so I guess uh, one of the reasons because uh, I started Taiwan Fest in 2001, I mean, I, I, I took over Taiwan Fest in 2001. Uh, and and it has grown the festival in a way that it's it's um it's a, such a big scale uh, event uh, in Vancouver, and so for the media to recognize that uh, that growth and 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 the leadership of uh, the festival, I guess that's uh, one of the reason I was recognized for. However, um, I had to do with that article. It's 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 much uh, more recent, and as you probably know, a lot of uh, Taiwanese Canadians or Taiwanese Americans uh, always being lumped in this category of Chinese uh, American or, or 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 the Chinese uh, community in America, uh, and and that um, that we have a hard time uh, to distinct, you know, to, to actually elaborate more on that. You know, you, you, when you start talking about, oh, no, 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 I'm Taiwanese, I'm not Chinese, and then, you know, then, then you have to get into a very, very uh, complex this, uh, conversation uh, with people. Uh, so so I, I accepted the, the honor, and I thought it was an important honor to have for, uh, what, for what we do. And uh, But back then, I wasn't really comfortable. You know, I always wanted to say, hey, can you say that I'm Taiwanese? I'm I'm not Chinese Canadian, but you know, never felt comfortable. And at the same time, you know, the, the atmosphere, the climate around us is, you know, there's people from Taiwan thinking they're a Chinese too, and yeah. and, and and there are people uh, uh, around us, you know, the Chinese media that always treat you as part of the Chinese community, and the politicians, you know, out there they they don't differentiate between the Taiwanese and and the Chinese so much. Uh, so, so when I wrote that article, it was after a few years of of um, reflection. Uh, reflection and our own event uh, taking on this identity issue uh, quite seriously. And so I thought I, I thought it's important for me to at least you know if I'm going to be the the leader of the Taiwanese uh, uh, the Taiwan Fest, uh, then I need to at least you know you know take a stance on that you know stop calling me. Uh, what I'm not comfortable in. If Canada is part is about diversity, if Canada really sees that this is important uh, value for our country, then then I should be able to say who I am loudly. Mm -hmm. right. uh, so so I, I chose the route uh, of uh, you know doing a, a letter to the uh, to the media, and uh, I'm glad that our media friend uh, actually. Uh, uh, Took that took took on the letter and and published it for me. That's great. Um, and also in the article, you mentioned that there was a campaign launched against the anti-Chinese sentiment in BC. Can you tell me a little bit more about that campaign? Yeah. So uh, it was uh, uh, you know there, there were I think during the 2020 there's uh, when the pandemic first started there's a lot of uh, people. Uh, we're going around and 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 trying to fight this anti-Asian uh, racism, and in particular the anti-Chinese racism. And so I was approached by uh, a group of uh, 
young Chinese Canadian uh, that wanted to to get you know stand together and 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 fight this uh, this uh, anti-racism uh, I mean movement or or the um, problem. So when they approached me and they say, hey, you know, we Chinese uh, uh, Canadians need to stay, uh, stand together. We need to come together. And and I said, sure, you know, I'm happy to help. Uh, but is it possible that I support the campaign as um, as Taiwanese Canadian? Yeah. And uh, it was uh, a shock to uh, the person who approached me and said, why do you want to differentiate yourself? I thought you're, fi- you're fighting uh, anti-racism. You know, and 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 to me, if I'm considered as Chinese Canadian, you know, you are, you are doing exactly the same thing other people are trying to do. I mean, it's trying to lump you into uh, something that you perhaps you are not, right? And and that's I think that's a, a form of racism itself, mm-hmm. right? So so I said I I rather support the campaign, you know, under the the, the Taiwanese Canadian. Uh, name and if you're okay then please you know just endorse i'll do the endorsement with my taiwanese uh, canadian name and they came back in and say you know they they understand what i was talking about and and they had a careful discussion but they want to thank me for my my kind of i mean my direct, uh, frankness uh, but uh they're going to decline my endorsement so, wow. so, so that was uh that was uh, something interesting and i i thought uh, you know yeah, it's it's fine. You know, if they if this is exactly what they need to do, you know, they're they're, they're you know they're not seeing me as a Chinese Canadian anymore, which is what I what I uh, what I fought for. You know, what later mm-hmm. later was about. So so mm-hmm. in in a way, I I don't hold any uh, any negativity against them, and I I just accepted that you know they're. Uh, you know their 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 offers. Yeah, it's just unfortunate because although there was a lot of blame with COVID directed towards Chinese overseas Chinese or Chinese in general, we saw that it was a problem that affected all Asians because most people, a lot of people couldn't differentiate and so you could be Vietnamese you could be Korean or you could be some other background and people could think that you were Chinese or direct this hate at you and I mean you could even argue that we could ask other groups to support us like uh, Hispanic people or Indian Europeans or whoever like everyone should support um, one another yeah. movement yeah. to not discriminate against people and blame people for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I I think that um, uh, you know I I had some thoughts about this too. I I thought you know for one thing I want to be distinct distinctive from you know the Chinese Canadian yeah. claim, uh, mm-hmm. but at the same time I want to support the movement, uh, and yeah. I thought it was an opportunity for for them to do. This acknowledgement that hey, you know, you may be doing this to people that are not Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if you have any racist view against you know the Chinese, and it's very likely that, that you are doing it against people who are not, uh, because you know this generalization of of Chinese or or the stereotypes of what Chinese is, and 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 so 
I, I thought this is, you know, an opportunity to actually to show the diversity within what's known as the Chinese community. Uh, I, I Nowadays, I keep asking people to use Chinese-speaking community rather than Chinese community because we could share the language, but we don't necessarily, uh, you know, have from the from the same same heritage or the same cultures. So it's very important for that Canada to actually recognize that, uh, you know, the, 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 the word Chinese community is actually very misrepresenting, you know. It's mm-hmm. very misrepresent, repre, misrepresented um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in in a sense. So, uh, so I, I I also advocate for the changing of reference, you know, from mm-hmm. Chinese community to Chinese speaking community. Since the Lunar New Year is coming up, I wanted to talk to you about Lunar Fest. Could you tell me about how Lunar Fest got started and its connection to the 2010 Vancouver Winter Olympics? Yeah, it got started uh, back in uh, 20, uh, 20, 2009, and it was in preparation for uh, Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics. So uh, because of the Taiwan Fest that, that, that we have been doing and the scale that it has been, so we were invited to be part of that Cultural Olympia programming committee. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, we, we invited... Um, uh, the artistic director back then uh, to to visit Taiwan to get some inspiration to visit you know to to see if they, he wants to invite some of the the Taiwanese uh, performers to come to Canada to to be part of this big party and so during the trip and you know, we visited um, uh, lantern festivals in Taiwan mm-hmm. and and you know. So the idea came that you know in in the winter time here in Vancouver, about four o'clock in the afternoon it gets dark. Right. So we we need the light, we need the the warmth uh, to mm-hmm. kind of bring bring um, you know excitement for people, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we what we did during the 2010. We actually created a lantern forest on Granville Street, which is you know downtown Vancouver, and and uh, we were there for 35 days. So we provided that wow. uh, that platform for you know the the visitors from all over the world to come to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And and people were there uh, exchanging pins. You know, people were there celebrating the uh, the Canada's gold medal hockey game, and mm-hmm. you know, people were there for gathering. So, right. so that was actually a, a very important turning point for for you know for our organization and and for what we do. But at the same time, it's the it's the only legacy event from 2010 uh, Winter Olympics that uh, that can, still continues today. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, from and it's something that we're very proud of. Uh, although it has evolved in many different forms, uh, but it's still still something that connects to that uh, that period of time. And now for a short break. We're proud to say that Talking Taiwan is now a 2021 Golden Crane Award-winning podcast. Talking Taiwan is a Golden Crane award-winning podcast and the longest-running Taiwan-related podcast. We are dedicated to bringing you stories connected to Taiwan and Taiwan's global community. Help us to grow and continue producing engaging content by making a contribution on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Talking Taiwan. So tell me, how has Lunar Fest changed and evolved since then? And how is it that you've been able to sustain it for more than a decade? There's some challenges in, in, in between. So, you know, this festival, you know, we we got started because of the funding from 
the Olympic Cultural Olympia. Uh, but later on, when we, we were trying to continue on, you know, you know, we had to find sponsors, and and so in 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 the sense, you know, in Canada, most of the people still see this as Chinese New Year, and 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 mm-hmm. you know, the sponsors wanted to cater to the Chinese community in a way. So so we we had to you know, there was a bit of fight, you know, between our organization and our sponsors. You know, they wanted to. To kind of keep us segregated, they want to keep the Chinese community sort of in in the silo while we are trying to 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 create Extend. a diverse, you know, to bring other people in and and to, to differentiate. You know, it's not just Chinese. The Koreans and the Vietnamese and Taiwanese they all celebrate the same thing, but why you keep calling it Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's that 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 resistance, and so we had some you know very important sponsors at the beginning. Uh, but because of this philosophy, we kind of uh, went different ways. So for the survival thing, and we, we we had to make sure that we're not just being seen as a a Chinese event. Okay? This has to be a more of a, a mainstream event. So by inviting other communities in, uh, and and to the extent that uh, we actually uh, took some of our work to. Um, uh, you know, to places that, that it wouldn't normally go to. And we don't do lion dancings because other people do them. So we try to do other things that's still very uh, relatable to the to the new Lunar New Year. But at the same time, it, it opens up people's uh, idea. Oh, you know, we can celebrate this way. I remember during the year of the, the sheep, uh, we created this uh, uh, little uh, sheep that lights up. And, and there are a massive amount of them, you know, like few hundreds of them, gather at the Vancouver Art Gallery, and and then we have people taking the little, very little cute, cute uh, sheep all over the place. You know, they were mm-hmm. uh, taking them to different places and taking pictures, and and we can kind of catch on on that social media frenzy, right? So mm-hmm. so yeah. people are sharing photos, and now people are participating our right. our celebration. It's not just about your event that I go to, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually were part of your event, and I remember one incident that um, there was a one lady that came to Vancouver Art Gallery that saw our our sheep and lamb, and and then she had this image about uh, Disney's Beauty and the Beast, right? Mm-hmm. So she went home and then dressed herself up, you know, changed her, uh, you know, put on put on put on some uh, costumes, and then came yeah. back and take a picture, you know, <laughs> took a picture with our sheep. And and then post it on her social media, you know. So so look, you know, this is the way that we we thought it can be a, a festival for everyone, not just you know people that from a certain culture. And then we have a South Asian boy, you know, he he actually uh, with his family's help uh, were attacked by our sheep, you know, the little <laughs> tiny cute sheep. And then he took a picture, and until today we still use that picture as our our report cover. You know, because we thought it's so cute I mean, to have a South Asian boy celebrating Lunar New Year uh, with with you know with us uh, and right here in Vancouver. So if you're gonna tell Vancouver, uh, if you're gonna sell Vancouver to the rest of the world, how we are different? You know, we celebrate Lunar New Year very differently. So if you if you're kind of tired of seeing the same thing over and over, you know, this is something that you can come to. So with that, you know, with that experiment, you know, then 
you know, people move around. You know, we have we have our partners that were, was working in one place in in a shopping mall because of our experience, and then she went on to become uh, a marketing manager. I mean, an event manager at Tour, Tourism Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So they came. She came to us and said, "Hey, you know." Can we create something for for Vancouver? That's very unique for for the celebration. So our ideas start getting accepted, and and we were getting a, a bit of funding to um, to create things that we thought could be very different uh, with the celebration. And and so then it started evolving, and we were were very much on a Vancouver centric Lunar New Year celebration. It's no longer about just about Taiwan or about China or about Hong Kong. It's very Vancouver centric. When will the Lunar Fest be held this year? Well, we're actually kicking it off uh, January 29th uh, at the uh, Granville Island. Uh, it's a very popular place uh, in Vancouver. Uh, and uh, we also have, um, uh, uh, you know, activities at the um, uh, Vancouver Art Gallery Plaza. And as well as uh, Ophium Theater now with this pandemic uh, and the the Titan restrictions that's happening right now, uh, we cannot do the usual stuff that we do. But uh, we have um, uh, a very large installations at um, in the Lantern installations at the Granville Island and the Vancouver Art Gallery Plaza, and and these are what we call the Lantern City. So it's it's a it's a it's a program that we're hoping one day that we're going to have these large uh, lantern installations in different communities, mm-hmm. you know, not just in one place. And unlike the, the lantern festivals in Taiwan or in other Asian cities, you know, you have, those are very figurative and they gather in one place. So people uh, go and appreciate these lanterns. Our lanterns are uh, created with artists from uh, the indigenous community, you know, from, from other Communities that don't necessarily don't necessarily uh, celebrate uh, Lunar New Year, uh, but we always have inter- international participation from Taiwan. So you know the Taiwanese artists, uh, indigenous or non-indigenous, uh, would also participate in these large installations as well. Uh, so it's a way of us uh, kind of bringing the city together and celebrate um, uh, Lunar New Year in a very different uh, different way. Uh, we don't. You know, many, many years, uh, a couple of years ago, three years ago, when I was uh, talking with uh, Tourism Vancouver uh, back then, you know, in, in, in terms of um, finding a way to make Vancouver a destination for Lunar New Year celebrations for North America. And, and so we were thinking, you know, what can we do to actually um, make that a reality? Uh, and so the more that we talk about it, uh, the more I, 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 I persuaded them that we had to have local engagement. Uh, if you see Lunar New Year celebrations around North America, mm-hmm. uh, a picture in San Francisco is probably very similar to a picture in, in, in New York or in other places. And you can't really tell uh, how is it unique to San Francisco or how is it unique to, uh, to New York. Or a, pic- a picture from five years ago to now, it's probably very similar too. You can see the lion dancing, you can see the fortune god. You know, those are very, very similar. So in a way, to me, uh, Lunar New Year celebration has not has not grown uh, to become part of the, the local culture. It's always mm-hmm. something about 
other places, you know, and and it's it's really not engaging the local community. So so when I talk to uh, tourism Vancouver, they actually like this, you know, this idea. How do we engage the local uh, uh, folks? And 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 I thought, you know, because Canada is uh, we're on the uh, unceded territories of you know indigenous peoples, many places in in Vancouver, uh, we're on you know on the three different uh, coast Salish nations uh, uh, land, and and why not invite them? You know, we're in, we're on their on their land, and and we're celebrating something from Asia. Uh, so, so when we extended that invitation, you know, they were they were quite happy. You know, they were very thrilled, and I said, "Hey, finally, we got to, we got to celebrate your tradition, uh, but in our way, you know, with their with their participation." So our lanterns are created with this uh, design from from the local indigenous communities, and and the Taiwanese indigenous uh, artists, you know, participated at the same time. So it's got international, it's got local. And, and it's new. It's something that people have never seen before. So from 2019, uh, and then, you know, we grow a bit and people start uh, from different communities wanting to participate. You know, say, hey, how do we get our artwork you know, on the lantern? You know, so, so you know, and so in, uh, people start to feel that, that this is their celebration too. It's not just about us. And then we also use this opportunity to, uh, to bring in, you know, those uh, those uh, uh, members of the community that don't necessarily uh, uh, traditionally get very welcome uh, by uh, by you know the more conservative Asian families, you know, you know we have the LGBT community artists participated, and this year we actually have um, a uh, a uh, uh, you know a two-spirited artists uh, participated uh, as well. So, you know, to us, you know, this is about the community. It's about every one of us. And if we want to reflect our diversity in Vancouver, then then it has to be uh, something that we are m- much more inclusive than just trying to hold on to our Taiwanese roots or, or our Chinese roots or Korean roots or Vietnamese roots. You know, it's we have to start uh, to make sure that we're inclu- including other people. The term two-spirited people that Charlie used is a term referring to non-binary individuals. How long is the Lunar Fest going to be running until you said it's kicking up on the 29th? Oh, yeah. So the installation will be up uh, for about three weeks. And uh, uh, the, the celebration, if you know, if it takes place, will be on the 5th and 6th of February at the Art Gallery uh, Plaza. And uh, also... Um, uh, we also have, you know, an extension to our with our partners in Toronto area, Markham. So there will be uh, an installation there in Markham area uh, as well on the February sixth, fifth uh, and sixth. Can you tell me a bit about the Lunar Fest in the Toronto area? We also uh, try to in, incorporate uh, the local Indigenous artists' uh, work uh, in Toronto as well, uh, but that's in partnership with our friends uh, at uh, Taiwanese Canadian. Uh, Association of Toronto. The Lunar Fest in Markham will last until March 6th. What can people expect at the Lunar Fest celebrations? Well, it's it's funny that uh, we have um, uh, kind of uh, steer away from those more traditional celebrations. It's not that we don't embrace it. It's just that there's many other people in the city would do it. 
right? Mm -hmm. And and so we're, we're trying to uh, complement uh, these traditionals with something perhaps uh, different and new and mm -hmm. and with a meaning to it. You know, since this year is Year of the Tiger, yeah, uh, it's Year of the Tiger. So mm -hmm. so what we what we wanted to do is is to make sure that um, uh, we don't just celebrate for the sake of you know wanting to know what characteristic of tiger, uh, what does the year the tiger bring for you in terms of fortune that kind of thing. We, we we want people to take a bit more meaningful approach to these celebrations. So we're we're tying uh, this uh, year of the tiger to conservation, you know, to to wilderness. You know, I I um, um, you know as you know, I work with Taiwan quite a bit. So there's there's this uh, uh, Taiwan Formosa leper. Uh, it's an endangered species. So and and so I want to bring out the stories of how farmers and and are working with this you know conservation groups and and to preserve the uh, the endangered uh, Formosa leper. So want to make sure that there's a way that uh, people can coexist. And so we, we're bringing these stories to 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 schools and and while teaching uh, kids workshops and you know, how to make. Uh, lantern craft and things like that, but but at the same time, telling them about stories of what people are doing with the year of the tiger and and what does the year of the tiger really mean for us going forward, not just uh, the historical context. And so we every year we have about uh, two thousand kids that actually go through our uh, workshops uh, in the Vancouver Greater Vancouver area. So it has it hasn't been a very successful um, uh, way of engaging the communities. So do these kids get to create lanterns that get displayed in the Lunar Fest? Uh, they, they get uh, so so for this year they actually create a treasure box. You know, it's in a in a handheld. It's a paper folding exercise, but we give them the template uh, and they fold it. And so what we want them to do is actually create that uh, treasure box and then hang it on with their backpack. Uh, and if you open up the treasure box, you know, there's going to be the, the Taiwanese uh, Formosa leper and also mm -hmm. a, a Canadian bobcats. You know, those are mm -hmm. two uh, creatures that are inside. And so they can go around and help share the stories. You know, people are going to ask them, what, what is that? You know, and so they can open okay. it up and say, you know, this is Year of the Tiger. And, and you know, uh, mm -hmm. we're trying to do something meaningful. Uh, and and, and um, they can also come to uh, see the lanterns and uh as well, so it's it's um it's it's a way for us to uh, get the message out and also help uh, other people to celebrate uh, the you know the, the tradition with something more meaningful with a purpose. This year we also have uh, a Punjabi uh, community uh, participating, and their artists will be featured on our lanterns. Even Cirque du Soleil, you know, uh, wanted to be part of it too. So mm -hmm. they there's a lantern that representing their their work as well. Uh, so the, the the idea of you know having the communities come together, bringing people together, is being realized through the through the Lunar New Year celebration. And if we kind of go back to the real meaning of Lunar New Year celebration, it's actually family gathering, you know, reunion. And and so extend we're expanding the definition of family to include you know people around us. And and so I thought we're still very much about the traditional meaning of celebration, but it would just 
uh, done in a different way. It's a very, very uh, inclusive uh, and uh, welcoming uh, way. And at the same time, it could actually be very different for Vancouver to start marketing it to other people. So we're getting we're getting a lot of interest. You know, for Granville Island, this is the first time they're participating, and it's because they've seen the work that we had done from 2019, and they say, yeah, it wouldn't be bad to have these lanterns on Granville Island, and because their their youth uh, focus programs uh, is is known, it's quite well known in, in in Granville Island. So so we're we're having um, a more youth. Uh, focus uh, uh, work display at the uh, at the uh, on the Granville Island, and so this is this is uh, this is how we kind of wanting these lanterns to represent a community and and to be in the back to to have these lanterns uh, in the uh, in the backdrop that's actually a very significant landmark of Vancouver. So we're 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 going to continue to expand them. This year we have uh, fourteen lanterns, and the next year we're going to have thirty lanterns, and we're hoping that um, maybe in a few years you're going to have these lanterns all over the place. But each lantern would actually represent that community and, and would be very meaningful for people to, to go visit. You mentioned that you've had to change what you do on, for Lunar Fest because of COVID. What were some of the things that you did in the past that are that you're not able to do at this time? Well, we used to uh, to bring a lot more people to the plaza for the celebration. Uh, you know, in the past years, we had Mongolian participated. We have uh, uh, we, we have seen uh, you know indigenous teepees uh, you know on site, uh, and and with the indigenous uh, friends, they were telling us about their their moons. You know, because lunar is has to do with the moon, right? So yeah. they were telling us about their thirteen moon cycle. Hmm. And, and and then you know it, with uh, New Year people like to do fortune telling. So we have Mongolian friends then telling us about their their uh, uh, their uh, a bone bone uh, uh, reading. You know it's a it's a it's using using bones from from uh, lambs and and then and then you know there's a way that they can actually uh, do the fortune reading from. Oh. Uh, it's like almost like a dice, right? So, but using the bones rather than the, the, the actual die. Uh, so those are the things we actually get to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, we still tell people about what, how, how does Taiwan celebrate Lunar New Year? And, yeah. and so there's a Taiwanese fortune telling. <laughs> so you can actually uh, do the praying with the, with the, you know, the stick and, and go through that, that ritual. And at the same time, we also talk to people about, you know, different places people go. Uh, in Taiwan to to celebrate Lunar New Year, uh, but that's all kind of having people come together from different cultures to share how they celebrate Lunar uh, celebrate New Year, but not necessarily their new their not necessarily new Lunar New Year, but how they uh, celebrate New Year's and and I think it's a good exercise uh, for uh, both. Uh, uh, Communities, you know, the community that, that treat this as tradition, but at the same time, they're out there learning about other people's tradition, and and these um, these are the ways that uh, we 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 always have people gather, and we have done some uh, uh, performances, you know, bringing uh, t- you know the dragon team to do the dragon dance, but this is you know uh, a few years back. Uh, but you know we don't shy away from from the traditional stuff, but just making sure that we have something that uh, that speaks to more of a contemporary, uh, it speaks to more of our diversity here in in uh, in Canada. We want to create relevance uh, 
to the society that we're living in, the community that we're living in, not not always focusing on on just about you, where you come from. You know, it's where we live today. Mm-hmm. And if people want to learn more about Lunar Fest, or I'm sure you have um, some photographs of past years, where can they go? I think for for the best uh, way to go is actually visit uh, Lunar Fest Vancouver. Uh, and if you want to see these lanterns, uh, the, the, the alternative is the Lantern City. Uh, this is an ongoing project that um, it's you know it's only to to start that we're, we're expanding. Uh, so the both Lunafest Vancouver, you can search it uh, by website or our Facebook pages or, or the Lantern City. It's growing gradually. You know, Instagram there has a lot of pictures with Lunafest. If you hashtag Lunafest, you probably see a bunch of uh, photos from uh, previous years as well. Um, and and we we have people contributed amazing photos just give you an example the, the year that we had these lanterns at the jack pool plaza which is right next to vancouver convention center um it was a year that you know, we had some snow and we had some rain so and then we have you know people venture out there and took some photos in the snow in the <laughs> darkness and so it's the first time we're seeing lanterns being being uh, display in a very different weather settings, mm-hmm. and they're all, they're all very amazing and beautiful. So just looking at these pictures uh, alone, you know, it's quite rewarding. You know, we're, we're yeah. seeing we're seeing Vancouver in a very different way, and and but at the same time, um, uh, at the same time, we're seeing communities coming together. Uh, and during this pandemic uh, time, I think these are the best way for people to to really get together. Just uh, last year, we featured Susan Point's family. Susan Point is actually one of the most renowned indigenous artists uh, in uh, in BC, uh, perhaps in Canada. And um, her work is displayed in in the Van- uh, Vancouver International Airport and and important important places. Uh, we never thought that we could actually get her to participate in our lanterns. So. Uh, uh, it was 2020. Uh, 2020. Mm-hmm. Her son has been participating in our lantern projects, oh. and and she came to our lighting ceremony that year. And and one of our staff members, you know, uh, Jessica Song, our artistic director, mm-hmm. actually recognized Susan Point sitting there. <laughs> and then and then she goes, "That's Susan Point right there." So <laughs> so 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 you know, we we were so excited that she actually participated in that lighting ceremony, maybe because of her son. Yes. So this next year, uh, 2021, we asked her and we said, Hey, uh, are you interested in, in, you know, having your work here? Uh, and then she actually said, yes. You know, so, 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 you know, from Lanterns, we engaged one of the most prominent uh, artists of BC to, to actually be part of our celebration. And, And at the same time, and because of her participation, so we invited a very prominent about uh, Vavalong family in Taiwan, also indigenous family in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So the two indigenous families' work were displayed together at the Vancouver Art Gallery, um, and and this is only possible because because uh, uh, we never wanted to uh, have these lanterns to be very traditional. We wanted mm-hmm. to be uh, a dialogue, you know, of mm-hmm. cultures and and of Taiwan and Canada coming together and and uh, to get people a different perspective on seeing this tradition or seeing this celebration can be meaningful and with a purpose. 
So we highly encourage my listeners who are in the Vancouver area to attend Lunar Fest, which starts on January 29th. And for those in the Toronto area, it starts on February 5th. But if, even if you are not in Vancouver area, you know, do visit our website or, or visit our social media. You can see these beautiful uh, pictures people share. Or, or just like I said, hashtag LunarFest or, or the Lantern City, and you might see these photos uh, taken from other people. There you go. Yeah, we are in a pandemic, so there's other ways that you can enjoy and participate by social media. And Felicia, may, may I just add one more yeah. thing? Yes. E each of these lanterns, now, it's not just display itself. You know, we also have a voiceover and sort of instruction. Like you visit a gallery, you know, there's a, there's that uh, voiceover that you can talk about uh, the artist. So we, we have prepared uh, segments of these, um, uh, you know, stories about the artists and, and how they come about. And the, the background music was actually composed by Taiwanese uh, 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 composers uh, who's indigenous as well and the music was you know there was a part of the music was uh, pipa okay and and so it's new world music being used as as the background music for the voiceover seeing at lanterns that are very Vancouver centric uh, and about cultures from all over the place and and that's how we celebrate Lunar New Year can you explain what the pipa is for people that don't know Pipa is like a guitar uh, for a, a ch traditional Chinese uh, music instrument, and and um, uh, uh, it's very elegant and the, the, the it's a string instrument that 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 uh, 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 produces sound. But it, it's never uh, you know you have a listen and you, you can feel that it's 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 a new way of um, uh, uh, learning about these traditional instruments. People can listen to the complete audio clips with voiceovers on site or by scanning a QR code. The musician herself, she was actually part of uh, Vancouver 2010. Her group came and performed in Vancouver, but she didn't come because of the Chinese traditional music. She came because of new world music. You know, mm -hmm. it was performed with with uh, with uh, with, uh, with uh, Chinese traditional instrument, but it was all new world, new world music. So we invited uh, one one of the, the players from that group, and she's the the uh, the soloist in in our background music. But we also have a segment uh, online for people to see the entire uh, performance of her uh, performing this particular music that she we commissioned her to do. Uh, it's called Woven Melodies, and it's it's, it's something that um, that we meant. You know, it's not just visual arts. There's also performing arts element. And and during pandemic, you know, they cannot visit here. So mm -hmm. we still want them to be participating. So mm -hmm. people will be listening to their music and learning more about their stories. We'll include a link on the Talking Taiwan website for those of you who'd like to listen to the entire recording of Woven Melodies. Thank you so much, Charlie, for uh, taking time of your schedule to be on Talking Taiwan.
Thanks, Felicia. Thanks for inviting me to the program, and I really enjoyed the the chat with you as well. Thank you. I've been speaking with Charlie Wu, the managing director of the Asian Canadian Special Events Association, which organizes the Lunar Fest. If you enjoy this episode, go on over to Audible or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. Tell a friend about us or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, talkingtaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.